The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, I'm Leslie Albrecht, Deputy Personal Finance Editor of MarketWatch, and welcome to Barron's Live. Um, I'm here today with Lucas Alpert, who has one of the coolest and most important news beats here at MarketWatch. He covers financial crime for us. Hi, welcome, everyone. Lucas. Thank you for being here. Sure. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, no, it's a, this is a wild beat. There's a lot of wild stuff that goes on in the financial fraud world, and uh, the pandemic has just opened some interesting new areas uh, for fraudsters to kind of find their way in. Right. So that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. It's a special pandemic edition of the dark, the dark side of money. Um, and as you may recall, uh, when Congress began passing giant aid packages at the beginning of the pandemic, it was basically off to the races for fraudsters to find ways to get their hands on some of the more than $1 trillion in relief money that was being pumped into the economy. And uh, that money was going out really fast. There wasn't a lot of time to do a lot of oversight and people found opportunities. People, criminals found opportunities, didn't they, Lucas? Oh yeah, um, and criminals and really, you know, it's just, you know, it, 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 it runs the gamut. It's not just, you know, people who are professional fraudsters. I mean, there's there's some of that, but it's a lot of people who are, you know, on, on paper and on the surface look like, you know, upstanding members of society who just saw an opportunity and, you know, lied in their applications and are now getting caught. The, the roundups are, you know, kind of coming fairly fast and furious. And there's some interesting cases popping up all over the country. Yeah. So tell us, um, give us a rundown of kind of how these these scams have worked, especially with the PPP program. Yeah. So it's really the PPP and the uh, disaster relief loans, which, you know, that's from the Small Business Administration is kind of where a lot of this has gone on. And so, um, I mean, a lot of what was issue, uh, issue at the beginning was really the um, a question of uh, you know, you would make an application and you'd have to submit certain documents uh, through a bank and the bank would submit it to the government and the government would sign off on it. The bank would cut the check, which would later be reimbursed by the government. So um, and the government's interest was really to just do this quickly. They wanted to pump money into the economy. And when everything was really slowing down to a halt, um, you know, just kind of prime the pump. So I don't think that people were really checking these applications that closely. As long as the paperwork was there, it looked legitimate. That was that. Um, fast forward. Now we're 12, you know, 18 months later, um, you know, and there's several task forces, uh, you know, in various different government agencies that are taking a much closer look at this. And it's not any surprise they're finding that a lot of people lied on their applications. And sometimes the lies were small. Sometimes they were like ridiculous and, 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 you know, so basically for a company, you would want to get a PPP loan. You'd say, I have, you know, 150 employees. Our payroll is, you know, $450,000 a month or whatever it is. And, you know, this is what we need. And you'd get that check to kind of cover that. But, you know, a lot of times people were doing this where they had a company that employed like three people and they would claim, you know, enormous 
uh, staff or no people. Sometimes it was just a paper company. And so they would get a check for like a million dollars at the end, you know, very quickly. And, you know, the, some of these people would go out and then go buy a Ferrari or, you know, a yacht or something. Uh, but, you know, the IRS can look at this and say, hey, you, you weren't paying any payroll tax. Like, you know, hang on, where are these 150 employees? Like, it's pretty easy to catch this if somebody actually looks. And that's what's happening now. And there are indictments coming down all over the place. Tell us about this guy who uh, described himself as the stupidest person in the world. Um, yeah, and, and he was. Um, so he was a, a, you know, a pretty, you know, established and successful technology executive. He had jobs at Microsoft. He had jobs at uh, uh, Amazon. Um, he, he lived out in, in, the, in the Pacific Northwest. His name was Mukund Mohan. And uh, he was uh, involved. He was trying to do a couple of startups. And, you know, I guess the pandemic hit. He was maybe, I, I think he was really having some difficulty raising money you know, to fund his businesses. So he saw this program being launched and he decided to make an application. And uh, he did this with, he had no employees, he had no company, he's running it out of his living room by himself. And he claimed, you know, I had, you know, dozens of employees, you know, had multiple companies and, you know, he collected a, you know, sizable check um, to, to, you know, kind of fund this non-existent business. And when he got caught, he admitted flat out, he put a post up on Twitter saying, I am the world's stupidest person. And so he, you know, and, uh, I think he's, uh, I forget what he, he got sentenced to, you know, a few years in prison for this and he's going to have to pay all that money back. Um, and so that's it, you know, his, his startup is gone and probably his career. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, right? Yeah, actually, speaking of which, like, what what kind of sentences and and punishments are these folks getting? Well, I mean, a lot of these cases are still sort of early in the uh, early in the in the process, so there haven't been a lot of full on sentences, but there've been a lot of guilty pleas because, you know, it's all paperwork, so it's like kind of obvious, and it's not very hard to prove this. I think once the government catches on to these folks, so you know. A lot of these people have just made, you know, pled guilty fairly quickly. Um, you know, I think in some cases, you know, people who who have faced prison time are getting, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of like two years, four years, kind of like that. I think it's not it's not immaterial. Um, you know, they're getting hit with, you know, huge uh, fines and penalties. So, you know, they will be paying the mo whatever money they took. If they still have it, they've got to give it back. If they've spent it, you know, the government's going to seize whatever assets they can to get that money back. And they're, they're doing that. And then, you know, they're hit with fines and penalties. So they'll be paying for a long time. Um, and uh, what, what are some of the things that uh, these guys have been spending this money on? Are they, are they uh, paying off their student loan debt or sending their kids to college? What are they doing with the money? Some people, yes, you know, I think. But yes, <laughs> some people are really like, you know, there was a doctor in Long Island uh, and he just got, uh, you know, arrested last week or indicted last week. And he had, uh, you know, taken a substantial portion of the, the money he'd received, been a few million dollars, I believe. And uh, he put a down payment on a $1.5 million yacht. He bought not many uh, Rolexes and, and Cartier watches. So, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, funding a lavish life. So he had had a um, uh, from a, a, some prior case. I'm, I'm not familiar with all the details on it. He had had a, a legal uh, loss where he was, you know, owed money uh, in a settlement. And so he had taken some of the money to pay some of that. So and I think that's what you see in a lot of these cases. It's somebody who's sort of in a somebody who's like, a, you know, not a, 
a career criminal, but finds themselves in a sort of a tough spot financially, and they just saw an opportunity and thought, hey, I can get away with it. And well, now they're discovering that you, you can't. So <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, <clears throat> we've been through this major global crisis, and it seems like for some folks, this presents what you would call a, a soft corner to, to mm. push on, right? I mean, there's there's been a lot of, yeah, there's just a lot of ways for people to, to work all the angles. Yeah, right? I think that's what, you know, I've discovered covering the financial crime beat is that really what, if there's a unifying theme, you know, across a variety of these kind of scams, whether it's pandemic or not, is that people find an angle, you know, they find a loophole, they find some soft spot in the system and they just, you know, kind of, you know, utilize it as many times as they can. And what ends up happening though, is that you just, the, the, these people ultimately do get caught when they just do it one too many times. And suddenly the number that they're stealing just gets too big. And I mm -hmm. think that's like, you know, I suspect, you know, when they go through ultimately with the, you know, PPP and EDIL loan frauds is that, you know, they're going to catch the people who took, you know, multi-million dollar payouts fraudulently. But, you know, some guy who maybe like, you know, employed nine people, but said he had 16 and maybe got an extra 40,000 bucks. Like, I'm not sure they're going to catch all those people. I mean, that's probably a lot of that that goes on that will just fly under the radar because the, the figure just isn't ridiculous enough, you know. Um, but I don't know, you know, there's a, a, a number of uh, 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 bodies, agencies, panels that are committees that are looking into this. You have obviously the Department of Justice is sort of leading the criminal cases. You have the IRS is all over this. Um, you know, there are inspector general office, inspectors general offices and uh, a variety of agencies that are looking into it. Um, there's a pandemic response accountability committee, which is sort of a conglomeration of all these inspectors generals. Uh, and they're sort of, you know, putting their information together and then giving case material over to the Department of Justice to bring criminal charges. In fact, uh, that pandemic response account accountability committee said this week is fraud week. So it's actually a really good time for what a coincidence. I know, right. It's a good time for us to discuss this. Um, so, you know, but apparently knows? it's been not just been fraud week for a lot of people. It's been fraud 18 months. Yes, whenever, whenever that right. well, it's, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you about one of the early one of the early folks. Mm. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So one we of the first people, right? Right. So the first literally the first person to get charged in this, uh, he ran a little different because I think he actually was just like a, a, a career scam artist. Um, uh, and, and, and so he was in Rhode Island, um, and I think he was like on the Rhode Island, Massachusetts border. So I think he was charged in Massachusetts, but he was claiming, you know, he had restaurants, uh, that, that employed, you know, a certain amount of people and that they, you know, that, but the, the, the truth was that he didn't own the restaurants that he was claiming, uh, uh, you know, he was filing for. And also those restaurants had, were already closed. Like they weren't even in business when this was going on. So it was like just patent fraud. And um, somebody tipped, tipped the government off. Like they didn't even cut the checks to this guy. Like somebody went and said, hey, you know, you might want to look at this one because this guy's like a little shady. And sure enough, you know, they determined that it was all a fraud. And he had had like a, you know, somebody of his like draw up fake uh, tax forms for the businesses. You know, it wasn't hard to, they doctored uh, the documents, which is often how these things go. You know, it's like that people just make up a fake tax, tax return. Um, to prove them, prove their case. Um, and that's what this guy did. And, you know, he, then he was, he gets arrested. Um, 
and you know he's facing charges and he he goes and he fakes his own suicide he goes and like i think he cuts a monitoring bracelet off he goes out drives his car like parks it along the ocean like leaves a suicide note and then just goes on the lamp uh and they find him three months later down in georgia um you know and he'd been you know kind of bouncing around from state to state trying to keep under the radar but they caught up to him the marshals finally arrested him and and, and he was uh, uh i think sentenced a a few maybe a month ago um you know and like you know obviously he's sentenced for the money stole plus the fact that he absconded so you know he really like doubled doubled his uh penalty wow. there yeah so um but so yeah, in he that was, case he was caught by a tipster you said right? yeah it was like somebody who knew him was like this guy's like basically full of it you might want to might want to take a closer look so but that's unusual i mean it's like i think like the idea i mean he must have I mean, the idea that like somebody who knew him was like this guy's a fraud um you know, might like, you know, mean that he's, you know, obviously made some enemies in his life and has been doing this for a while. But most of these people, I mean, there was another case that we wrote about um, where a guy was a, he was, he worked for NASA. He was like a, an administrator at NASA, sort of high level, made like, I don't know, decent salary, you know, like a good solid salary, lived in Virginia. But apparently he lived, uh, you know, a lifestyle that was beyond his means. Like he was making good money, but he was pay- living a life as if he was making twice the money that he actually made and you know he ran into a ton of debt you know and uh so he took this opportunity this was again opportunity financial sort of need hey i can take this money and he actually just used it to pay off the debt so he didn't really do anything lavish with it but you know it's that's a crime and uh so he he's been you know he's facing charges now in virginia um i just want to remind our viewers that they can submit questions for lucas about crime and he will answer them he cannot tell you how to commit crime but he can right. tell you about how you might get caught i i, yeah, I, would, I hope that i don't give any get, give away any uh, trade secrets here that, um, this is not a reader service story about no. how to do it. <laughs> um, um well, there was actually, a case oh go ahead sorry oh i was just going to ask you i mean so it's, it sounds like some of these people have been also using the, their money to buy um what might be called flashy things is that how they're attracting attention in some cases do you think i i, I think that those are the ones well they, those are the ones that certainly attract the media attention i mean we're gonna i mean if somebody goes out and spends like a million dollars on like a lamborghini or something ridiculous <laughs> like I, I'm, i'll write that story everyone will read it too um but yeah there was one case just last week yeah it was last week in california um they they uh, uh they actually sentenced in absentia a husband wife a team out there who had, you know, they'd been uh, part of a group. I think it was like, you know, the guy's brother was involved. It was sort of an extended family and some others. And they had submitted dozens of uh, fraudulent uh, loan applications using the names of people who were dead, using the names of, uh, you know, they, 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 they had ties to Armenia. It was a, like part of the Armenian community. So they had, um, you used people who had come here as students like years ago and then like went back to Armenia and they were like using their names and credentials to get this. And they put in applications for like $20 million. I don't think they got 20 million, but they you know that's what they applied for. And they, um, tried. they tried, yeah, they were trying. <laughs> um, and so they got, uh, you know, they went and bought like three like giant mansions in Southern California. They went and like bought like bags of gold coins. Like it was really like, you know, over the top. And then they get arrested. They they, they were facing, uh, you know, some punishment and the husband and wife cut off their monitoring bracelets and have absconded uh, and are, are gone. They left their three teenage children 
mm-hmm. behind uh, in California. So, uh, you know, it's who are now like apparently living with their grandparents. So, um, and according to one report, it was like they left a note like, hey, you know, you're not going to see us for a while. This is just a little break. Like, you'll see us again, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, they're they're gone. And uh, I mean, that, that, that's kind of tragic. And it, But the, the figure, I think 20 million was one of the highest attempts, you know, from like an individual standpoint uh, uh, in, in a case like this. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so, and it seems like uh, it's really, there's beyond the PPP program, there's been other instances of, of fraud, sort of pandemic adjacent fraud um, that yeah. have been going on, right? Could you tell us about, about some of those? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously like I, I think this was something you maybe saw more at the beginning of the pandemic when there wasn't the vaccine yet. And there was, you know, still a little unclear on exactly how, um, you know, the virus really worked. Um, there was a lot of phony, like phony cures. And this was something the Federal Trade Commission gets involved in. You know, people coming out there and say, like, I have this tincture that you can take or some, you know, some you know, <laughs> ointment that I can sell you, you know, that will cure you, block, you know, save you from COVID. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, like, you know, snake oil salesmen, basically. This is a not an old con, basically. You know, it's like this goes on like at all times to some degree, but, you know, they shift what the, the supposed cure uh, cures. Um, and in one case, there was a guy who sold these, uh, um, it's something called colloidal silver. And this is something that goes back to like the 1800s. It's like a silver tincture. Um, it's basically like bits of silver dissolved in water. I mean, and like baking soda, it's, it's not much of anything. Um, and you're supposed to drink this and they claim that this, you know, this will cure cancer. This will cure, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. This will cure COVID, you know? Um, and so there were a bunch of guys doing this at the beginning and they, you know, they got charged. Um, one of the byproducts of drinking silver tincture, everybody should know this if you're considering it, is that uh, if you drink enough of it, it, your skin actually will turn blue. Um, it's like, you will look like a Smurf that Google it. I'm not, I'm not making this up. You will see pictures of people who've done this, um, where if you take it over a period of time, like you're not really supposed to consume silver this way or in any way. Um, uh, so does it, does it magnetize you? Does it turn you into a magnet? I don't know. Um, that's possible. You know, I, the blue thing is enough for me. I never want to touch it, but the, um, You know, there's that there's, um, you know, people like, oh, you know, some vitamin C infusions or like ozone treatments. And, you know, like the the Federal Trade Commission really went after a lot of places that were advertising online uh, and, you know, shutting them down and, 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 and uh, 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 you know, fines. Uh, the Justice Department went after a couple of like clinics and places that were offering these kind of, do, you know, bogus. They were just flat out bogus cures. Um, that I think has probably calmed down a bit, you know, now that there's actual like legitimate treatments available, um, you know, but, you know, it's still a thing. I mean, obviously social media is not, you know, is a problem there that these kind of things like come fly all over the place and people who don't maybe don't know enough or, or whatever, you know, just kind of forget fall into this. Um, there were, wasn't there a case, uh, involving an old, an old, uh, figure from the 1980s? Oh, yeah. Jim Baker, uh, the famed televangelist of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, um, Mm -hmm. you know, went to jail in the 80s for for fraud. Um, He resurfaced early last year. Uh, he, I believe he lives in Missouri now, and the attorney general's office went after him saying because he was offering some sort of silver cure 
and they went to shut him down. They filed suit against him. I'm not sure the status of that case, but I know that he was he was fighting it and trying to claim that it was like going after it was like an attack on his religion. It was a very strange defense, but you know because he was basically selling like Alex Jones style bunk. But um, that that's kind of where it was. Yeah, but yeah, it was like, he was like a blast from the past. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. He's he's still uh, he's still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about? Uh, uh, hold on, just want to make sure we don't have any questions. One uh, uh, viewer, uh, Kevin, writes in, wants to know what the best way to protect himself from hackers who might want to defraud him is, which isn't exactly related to pandemic fraud. But Lucas, I'm going to throw it to you. See if yep. you have any tips. I mean, it's a good question. It's obviously this is something we all can, you know, you know, defend ourselves against. I mean, one of the things I mean, when when fraudsters come after like an individual, I mean, they usually do these things. There's like phishing scams where they sort of send you an email purporting to be like your bank or something. And they'll often like blanket send these. So they'll send it be like come from like the Bank of America. It'll look like it. it's not from the Bank of America, but they'll like ask for, oh, we need you to log in to verify something. They'll ask for your login credentials. Um, I get these all the time, but it's like from a bank that I don't bank with. So I immediately know that it's like fake. But, you know, in in the event that they actually like landed on my bank, you know, then you have to kind of look at this more closely. Um, no bank is ever going to do that where they're going to ever ask you to just like, you know, ask for your login credentials. So just like never do that. If you get an email like that, don't do it. If you're if you have questions, like just call your bank. You know, it's like um, that's the first thing. There are things you can look for in the email. I mean, these can be quite convincing. These guys do a pretty good job of making they'll steal the logo. They'll like format it in a way, but like look at the email address that it's coming from. And if it looks like something that's like not legitimate, which they often do, like it'll have like, you know, it'll just be like a, a row of numbers or something that just like looks odd, like definitely don't do, touch it. But I would say in that case, that's like that that's one. Um, you know, like basically just like don't give your log out a login credentials. Um, you know, if you get something with an attachment that you don't really know where it's coming, if it's not something you're expecting, even if you're getting it from somebody you know, right? You know, <laughs> right. it's like, uh, but you're not expecting it, like call the person, be like, did you send this to me? Because sometimes yeah. it can be something that you click on and it like infests your computer with, uh, you know, some bad program that'll like mess you up later. Malware. Yeah, right, exactly. But isn't it also true, Lucas, and you've seen this in some of your stories, that people prey on certain emotional aspects of uh, life. And even mm-hmm. in the pandemic, we, we even saw a story involving pandemic puppies. Oh, yeah, this one was really something else. Um, so, you know, obviously, during the pandemic, everyone's like locked in their house, um, early on, especially. And, you know, if you're maybe somebody who lives alone, you're like, I'll, I'll get a pet. You know, a lot of people did that. They, they, they went and, you know, adopted pets. So um, there was a guy who got arrested um, just recently. Uh, he was he was a Cameroonian national living in Romania. He was going to university there and he was running this online scam where he was selling miniature dachshunds for like hundreds of dollars. You know, these are, you know, uh, 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 purebred dogs purportedly. And then, you know, somebody would come like buy the dog. Oh, we're going to like ship it to you by air. And then suddenly the dog would like, oh, the dog got caught in a quarantine. You need to pay some money to get it out. And they would just kind of string it along. So they would take like thousands of dollars from people ultimately. And this happened a bunch of times. So this guy got caught. So yeah, he was like, you know, utilizing the moment, you know, like he, he recognized people were going to want 
dogs. I mean, the, the scammers are really sophisticated. They really kind of they have a good feel for like how people really operate emotionally. They they're very the good ones are like good at kind of preying on these sort of weaknesses. So the guy went after like people who wanted dogs. I mean, like who you know everyone loves dogs, and you know so. But I think that's just the thing. It's like, you know, again, if you're like, you're sending money online and this guy was like, we want the payment and like prepaid, like Walmart car, gift cards. Like that just seems like a bit fishy. Like if you're not wiring money to like a bank account, like that that should already be like kind of like a, you know, a red red flag. But these are the kind of things that you get kind of roped in and uh, you've already spent money. Like kind of, I think they're good at like kind of just, reeling somebody in like over time so i think that's a thing to be aware of like if it just doesn't feel right it's not right i think that's a a good good rule of thumb they they're they're kind of like good journalists right because they know what people want and they if you're a good journalist you know what what information people are seeking and you give it to them scammers know what people want and they give it to them they're 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 good i mean it's like the what is a confidence man it's like a guy who like can gain your confidence because they're just very convincing and charming um and that that works online too yeah uh and what about this um forged vaccination card case that was mixed up with instagram and sort of like hippy dippy uh Wait, was it California? I can't remember where it is. Um, I, there were there definitely have been some in California, but um, the, I think the one that you're, we're talking about here was in New Jersey, and she was like oh. an Instagram influencer, sort of like <laughs> kind of whole earth mama kind of thing, you know, talking about how to be like you know n- n- holistically raise your child, and she got into a side business where she was selling um, fake vaccination cards or you know forged uh, vaccination cards she had some uh, co-conspirator who worked in the doctor's office and was able to get the cards and then if you you could pay you know x amount to get a card and then if you paid a little extra the person in the doctor's office would like enter you into the government database so it would like look all official like uh, you know, and so like you got your shot. So this is a way for people who were opposed and they, they caught a bunch of people, you know, obviously when they, when we've did this, they figured out who she was doing business with. And, you know, it was like, it's kind of surprising. It was like people work in nursing homes, people like couple, kind of a couple of paramedics. It was like, you know, stuff that's a little dis- distressing to think about. Um, but you know, this goes on. So this is another issue that, that persists, um, you know, uh, 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 you know that that kind of all throughout the pandemic, especially now with like mandates kind of kicking in a variety of places. That I think the the windows open for this kind of fraud. Um, you know, they've definitely. I know the customs department, like and border protection, have have seized a bunch of uh, like shipments coming from China and other places of like fake uh, like CDC vaccine cards. Like, so there is like a, a whole industry for this. Um, a reader wants to know um, how you follow or get wind of all these crimes related to the pandemic. Are you how, how do you how do you do that? Um, well, a lot of it is just, you know, they're court filings. I mean, this it's the you know, at this point, we're now far enough from particularly with the, the loans, the, the loan frauds. Um, you know, enough time has passed that these cases are all starting to kind of come to bear. You know, the, 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 the government has put has done their digging. They've put the cases together. So these are just coming out like every day. There's like a new case all over the place, like, you know, every day. Now, I want to bear in mind, you know, it's like I think it's good to think of that. Like 
while there has been a bunch of fraud, it's not like the whole program was fraud. Like there were tons of people who really needed this money and got it. And so um, they gave out, I think through PPP and the SBA loans, it was something like close to $700 billion uh, in aid. And so far, I think that they've caught something like, uh, you know, it's like a few hundred people. You know, they gave it out to 8 million people. So they've caught a few hundred um, and it was, you know, something like, I, it's like around a hundred million that they've been, mm-hmm. that they've sought to claw back. So, you know, when you think about that in the grand scheme of things, it's like, it's kind of like small percentage wise, it's obviously yeah. distressing that people want to do that, but you know, the, the programs themselves did help a lot of people. It's not just like a fraud factory. Just let's be clear. Yeah. Was there, um, during the Obama administration when they had the big, um, our, the, the giant relief program right, was there fraud during that there, there there was some yes you know and it's like but again it was the same kind of percentage it was like they did catch there were like a few thousand maybe 1500 instances of people um that they were that they sought to claw back money um i think the figure i read this was something like five years after the program went into effect that they had clawed back something like 50 million of the about 800 billion that i think was in the in the recovery act so again it's like it's yes money was stolen but it was not mm-hmm. like you know all, all, you know in the in the grand scheme of the program it wasn't like you know a, a total disaster um you know i know that there was like you know a lot of the case a lot of this was revolved around um these solar panel factories in the in that in the recovery act um but that that was an unusual case because it was like most of it was supposed to be given as tax credits and these companies were sort of pre-revenue so they didn't really have taxes so they gave them grants that kind of opened up a little bit of a a window was an unusual circumstance so that that's why it popped up there more than in other other instances but i think on the whole the program was was considered a success with a few you know some instances of problems Right. And as we know from our other reporting, the, you know, the money that was, has been handed out during the pandemic has obviously made a difference for businesses and individuals and families. Um, so, uh, okay, we're, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Much. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts for our last 30 seconds before I close it out? Um, well, I just, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, obviously we've all lived through like a pretty trying time and, you know, it's, uh, I, I think most people have kind of gotten through and, uh, you know, honorably, you know, there are obviously some people who took advantage and, uh, I think we're going to see more of these cases, you know, there it's, it's at the moment, it's like kind of, I feel like we're like in the sweet spot of prosecution. Cause I like, there's a bunch of these in the pipeline they're just popping up every day so i think that's where we're uh you know we're going to see more of these cases in the in the coming months and then i assume it'll probably quiet down okay well i recommend that everybody watching follow lucas's coverage on market watch look for his stories his financial crime stories they're they're good reads um we we only like scratch the surface really of some of your your stuff uh but we hope you can listen to our next episode on Monday. That's when Barron's senior managing editor, Lauren Rublin, is going to talk to senior writer Al Root, and they're going to discuss the outlook for financial markets, where electric vehicles are heading, and the week in earnings. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody, and stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.